Hello and welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson and I'm joined as always on the other line by Susan Miller Degnan. And Susan, for the first time this year, we have a really, uh, like a real, real football game to talk about. Uh, it will be number 13 Miami at number 24 Texas A&M on Saturday, uh, 9 p.m. on the East Coast. Uh, Susan will be in beautiful College Station, Texas. Uh, Kyle Field, one of the uh, one of the biggest, most raucous atmospheres in the country. Obviously, this game lost a little bit of its luster uh, on Saturday when Texas A&M lost to Appalachian State, dropping from number six to number twenty-four. Uh, but still, this is uh, you know not just Mario Cristobal's first chance to get a signature win here at Miami, but kind of really his first real test when you look at. Obviously, week one was an FCS opponent. Week two was a Sun Belt team, although Sun Belt teams kind of cleaned up over the weekend. So, uh, getting uh, a relatively easy enough victory against a team like that is is nothing to mm-hmm. nothing to sneeze at these days. But still, just first real test of the Mario Cristobal era. What are what are you kind of most looking forward to this weekend, uh, both out of your trip and just the, the game that we're going to see? Um, out of my trip, I can't really say i mean it's a couple hour drive from houston yeah, it's, a, it's, and, a, it's a hassle to get there yeah but uh um it's you know i'm i'm not sure i get i love getting rocked in the press box when the fans sway back and forth uh you know in the beginning it's 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 pretty cool experience actually that the press box does really sway and i think the atmosphere is going to have a, a I think a big effect on the game, at least in the beginning, it'll be really interesting for all of us to see how, how the hurricanes react to their first um, atmosphere like that. And especially for the young kids and the freshmen and the first time of the season. And I, it's going to be wild. And, uh, and there will be mistakes. I yeah. believe I, I, I can't, I, there will be penalties. There will be delays of the game or, <clears throat> excuse me um and again it'll be really interesting to see how the coaches react to that how they deal with it and in turn how the you know how the players do uh you know otherwise after the first quarter we'll see how things you know if miami can 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 get on the scoreboard quick enough uh which is another important factor in this game tyler Van Dyke has to start quicker, faster mm-hmm. the offense. Then, then maybe, maybe they can quiet the off the excuse me the crowd down a little bit because I think the crowd is probably getting fed up with the team anyway if they start right. losing again. So then, then you'll be hearing boos. You know, not that we've right. ne- you know never heard that before, but yeah, I, I think you wrote about it on uh, Sunday after the Southern Miss game. Is is Miami faced their first little bit of adversity on Saturday? But you know, even what it was ten seven at halftime, um, we were losing actually with a, a couple of minutes left to go in the first half. Um, even though they they kind of had that struggle to start on Saturday, like realistically, they were probably never. I mean, they still won that game by twenty three points, right? Like just. It, it took them a while to get going, but they were fine. They, they had advantage of pretty much every position. Uh, that's going to be different this week where if, if you rack up a bunch of false starts and have to punt a couple of times or commit a couple of penalties and all of a sudden 
Texas A&M is up by 10 points. Um, you know, for as many offensive issues as they have, they're one of the most talented teams in the country, um, certainly. And one of the, you know, their defense is still really good. They held App State to uh, like three and a half yards of play on Saturday. So, you know, it's it's a, a lot different being down to Southern Miss <laughs> compared to being down at Texas A&M. And I think um, inevitably we're going to see how they respond to some kind of counter. Unless they come out and are up 21 nothing at halftime, like they're going to deal with something that we have not seen them necessarily deal with before. And oh, last week when we recorded this episode, this podcast, we, we talked about what did we actually learn from week one? And, and we certainly can learn more from week two not just because we have two games of sample size to pull from, but uh, also because Southern Miss is just a better team than uh, Bethune-Cookman. Um, right. But the, we we still haven't, you know, all the, the big questions about what Mario Cristobal is as a coach, you know, he's he, there's people criticize him a lot for what he does on game day and, and some of the, the decisions. And we haven't seen any of that necessarily yet, I don't think because he hasn't had to make a hard decision. And it's another thing. And we're just going to, it's the first time everyone is being put to the test really uh, at, with this, this specific Miami team. Yeah. I mean, it's everything you said is a hundred percent true. So it's kind of, um, it's fun. It's fun to think about, and it is fun to go on the road. You know, I mean, the players, get pumped up for it they get excited for it so um yeah we'll see mario i mean we're learning like we're learning as as we go as he goes um and yeah i mean this should be a fascinating game one way or the other yeah and he's i mean they're learning too right like you that you can obviously get a lot out of practice but you know you you see it already like some of the snap count movement off of because you learn way more obviously for, from a game and how guys respond uh in live action so uh yeah like uh for a lot of these guys it's you know even even guys who are established it's a it's a jump from obviously southern miss to texas a&m and uh like i said it lost some of the luster because of what happened on on saturday but this team is still you know there's a reason they were number six at the start of the year there's a re you know you you wrote out today the offensive line. That defensive line, I think, has five former five-star recruits on it. Like a, a lot of the questions we had about this team coming into the year um, will be put to the test. You know, offensive line always the biggest question, and, and Texas A&M has one of the most talented defensive lines in the country. Um, you know, I think the wide receivers will be put to the test. Texas A&M's best defensive player is Antonio Johnson, who was a preseason All-American who. 6'3 cornerback who plays the slot, which means he's going to be on Xavier Restrepo and Will Mallory a lot, I'm sure. And some of those outside guys have to step up. Um, but I think Miami's also positioned themselves pretty well to win. You know, you saw the, the basically the entire way to Appalachian State won on Saturday was controlling the ball. Uh, Texas A&M had 38 <laughs> plays the entire game. And um, uh, Josh Gaddis on Monday basically said like, Four and five yard gains aren't sexy, but they're how you win games. And it's yeah. kind of been what Miami has done really well so far this year, obviously against inferior competition, but they've been, you know, Henry Parrish averaging five plus yards per carry so far this year. And it's not like they're 
Yeah, like yeah, I mean, you always talk about how many what Thad Franklin ran four yards per carry last year. A lot of that's buoyed by like an 80 yard run he had against Central Connecticut. Like they haven't had those. They, they've just kind of been executing that simple game plan. And, you know, there's been talk is Miami going to open it up more this weekend? Well, they might have to if they're losing, but I think they, right. they want to just pound the ball. <laughs> I, yeah, I think they wanted to. And then it makes me keep thinking maybe there's something up their sleeve, you know, that we don't know about. But. Mm-hmm. And he was, and, and Gaddis was saying actually three and four yard runs, which was funny. Or yeah, three, sorry, three and four, you're right. Not four three and five. Three and four yard gains. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, the two, two games UM has played, uh, UM has run the ball 91 times um, and they've attempted 54 passes. Um, so they've run it, they've run it for 479 yards and they've passed for 557, which ends up being pretty equal, but they've, you know, they've run it more and they, they held the ball uh, for 36 minutes, um, 37 minutes, almost last week. Um, and they actually held the ball a little bit less than Bethune Cookman, the first, almost the same, the first week yeah. I, they want to, they want to have, you know, like Gaddis was saying, if you're holding the ball, uh, then they can't score. Yeah. You know, and 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 also you they can't uh I I I think turnovers will be key, you know, they can't because that there's nothing that'll rile the team up as much as uh you know that'll psych a team up and get them all excited as getting a turnover. So um they've got to you know they've got to really hold on to the ball and not give it away. Um yeah. Yeah, and, and Miami's obviously been very positive in the turnover mark again. We it's we have to caveat everything by saying who they played, but um, right, you know, it's not like Texas A&M is, I mean, App State is a much better Sunbelt team than Southern Miss, but like they play and, uh, and the FC, I can't remember, Sam Houston State, was that who they played in week one? Yes. Um, is a much better yeah. FCS team than Bethune-Cookman, but like, it's not like they have an SEC game that they've played that is like skewed their production. Like those are two games they were massive favorites in and just like Miami was massive favorites in both their games. So um, it, you know, I, I think the, the, the two challenge, the, the, I mean, the big challenge for Miami is just the fact that Texas A&M is probably still going to wind up being really good this year. Um, are they going to yeah. be a playoff team? Like people thought they could probably not at this point, but right. those, um, so that's part of it. And then the other part is just like, you know, they're, I mean, it's like, it's cliche, but it's true. Uh, they're, they're going to be out for revenge or, or they're going to. Yeah. You know, you, we've seen how many my, you see it. You can respond one of two ways to a loss. Um, I would yep. guess they're going to respond well because, again, Jimbo Fisher is very established and he's had success there at Texas A&M. But, um, yeah, that's it'll be interesting to see how they respond to what happened last week. And they could yep. make a quarterback change. There's been some talk about that. So Exactly. Uh, it will be interesting. Yeah, I, I, it, I was thinking about that. I mean, it'll be very interesting – to see how they respond. Um, but it, it also, in a way, it's almost, I don't know, it, you could look at it both ways for UM too. It could mm-hmm. be good for UM um, in that this the whole college game day thing. And yeah, you know, college game day was, was going to definitely be uh, at Texas A&M if, if uh, Texas A&M had won, which everybody figured they would. Um, and you know that I don't know, just all the hype there would have been, even more hype, and 
I mean, they, think about the questions we were asking after the game was like, you're going to play the number six team in the country. And I then, know. Meanwhile, I think that game was tied 14, 14 at halftime. We were asking all the, or seven, seven. Exactly. We're like, talking about a top, yeah. I kept talking about a top 10 team and I'm like, oops, afterwards. But um, yeah, I mean, I think now a little bit, kind of in a way, a little bit of pressure is off Miami. And I'm not, you know, I think there's, I think there's even with the noise factor and all that, mm-hmm. there's more pressure on Texas A&M in this game. Yeah, I mean, I mean I've seen definitely I, some Miami fans being like, uh, like you know, when you were going to play at number six, it was kind of like a no lose. I mean, unless you get blown out, like it was like a no lose situation, right? You're going to be an underdog going out there, and Miami still is an underdog. But and Miami still right. I am. Here's the thing. Yeah. Miami is still not at all. I haven't looked at it's the point spread. It was all over the place, but it started at around six, seven. Yeah, I think I Yeah, I think we both Wait, thought we there thought was a chance was... Miami was going to be favored. Um, but anyway, or like even... I've definitely seen a sentiment of Miami fans being like, now it's like a no win scenario where, uh, yeah, if we but... win, we just beat a team that lost to Texas AM. But I, I don't buy that at all. No. I mean, it's a road win in the sec against the team so, that was so, preseason top that we, 10. yeah and we always say david I, vegas knows what they're talking about yeah i mean vegas knows okay so they're now i i, I wish i always say this looked it up right before a podcast but um you know texas a&m is favored still and there's a reason okay i i mean i people the the people with the money expect them to win i think i i i think and uh uh i if to me if miami wins this game it's um it's a really big win i don't care who's number 24 or whatever we we were talking uh on the phone before we started recording this and just like what qualifies a big win like a, a signature win and and I mean, I guess like technically what when they beat Pitt last year, I think Pitt was like 17. When they beat NC State, they were like right around like technically those are like bigger. I guess those were home games. So like, but whatever. They're, those were those were higher ranked teams. But this is this would be the biggest win since Notre Dame, I think, because obviously Notre Dame was a, a top 10 win and they absolutely obliterated them. But what really mattered there is that Miami was uh in the, you know. They won the coastal. Ended up winning the coastal that year. They were up at what number two in the playoff rankings up until the like they were in the national hunt. And a game like that solidified them there. You know, a win against number six Texas A&M. Obviously, I mean, we've been talking about potentially like top five, six, seven Miami uh, on Monday, but still a win like this early in the year um, before you know those pit the pit and I, NC State wins came yeah, after I they mean- they were two and four at the start of the year they beat Texas A&M right. this weekend, it, it's a springboard for them to, um, you know, it's not going to vault you up into the top eight or whatever, but it's, it proves that you're, you're kind of here to the, the, the Mario era is off to the right start that you're going to be here in the national conversation all year. If you don't slip up somewhere and, you know, it sets up potentially like a marquee matchup with Clemson in uh, uh, early November. Yeah. I mean, for sure. And, uh, and it, you know what, all these teams are losing now. So right. it, yeah, it depends how the other team, te- I mean, Miami's 13 now, uh, they could easily, 
well, I'm not saying easily because now they're getting closer to the top, but it just depends how the other teams do. I they I say they move up if they if yeah they'll probably move up if, if there's if yeah. they yeah if they win. So um, yeah, I I mean I agree with you. And you know I was looking at the schedule that it, next week after this is Middle Tennessee, mm-hmm. um, and then there's a week off which. I don't know. It's kind of crummy, I think. Yeah. That's just how the ACC schedule worked, right? I guess they just got stuck with that yeah. first bye. Yeah, they yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's very early and they don't play any Thursdays, which is so unusual. Yeah. I mean, I almost every year since I've been covering the team or it seems like it they play on a Thursday or a Friday. Friday, or yeah. Something like that. And then we have the weekend off. <laughs> but um nope. So that, but anyway, they'll have that one week off and then it, it just seems like, uh, it's a, it's a nice cruise, but there, there are definitely, um, obstacles in the way, you know, yeah. for they, I, we're, we're just, if they lose this game, it's totally, di- it's totally different. But yeah, if they lose this game, the sites or you know, the goal doesn't really change. The goal was always win the coastal, but a win like this could maybe, I don't want to say elevate the goal because obviously the goal is also always just win every game, but like it shows that you are, you know, it probably establishes you the clear cut team to be in the coastal, especially since Pitt lost uh, last week at home to Tennessee. Um, And, you know, it it puts you, you know, it's not like Clemson has like blown people away so far in this early season, like, and none of that stuff matters. It's all perception, but it kind of does matter because we're in, week three of the Mario Cristobal era and recruiting is important and showing that you can, you know, that that things are different at Miami is important. And a win like this would be different. They haven't beaten an sec team in, uh, I don't know, since the last time they beat Florida, probably. Right. Like it's been a long time. And, and also, um, you know, playing, playing on the road and not just any stadium. I think, yeah. So yeah, exactly. On the road, really hostile environment and super talented team. Like if you just look at the way they've recruited, there's a reason this team was number six in the preseason. And um, you know, Miami kind of has a lot of head to head recruiting battles with these guys um, because they recruit Florida pretty well. Like it it all, it's a, it's a perception win. And you can argue that perception doesn't really matter. Results matter, but perception matters in college football. Yeah, of course it does. You're going to talk to Shamar Stewart. <laughs> yeah, they have got, I mean, they beat out Miami for the best top ranked player in Dade County last year. Uh, and that was five... a big deal, right? Right. Everybody yeah. thought maybe he would, didn't people think that, oh, maybe he was coming to UN? Yeah, like, with Mario, it would have been like the big, I mean, Mario obviously recruited, you know, getting Nigel Lee Kelly was a big win, but like it would have been the home run of that cycle and, or the grand slam. And, you know, they got a couple kids from Miami Central on that roster. They beat out Miami for Donnell Harris a couple years ago, who was a, a five, four, five star uh, defensive end at Gulliver. So, like, yeah, I mean, perception matters because college football is a perception game in a lot of ways. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Before we close things out, um, you mentioned, I just kind of want to run through like basically the charting the path to the upset for or not i guess it's an upset like we said but it's oh. part of the ch- charting the path to this road win um we talked about clock control being the biggest one like obviously if you can hold texas a&m to 38 plays you're gonna win uh, <laughs> or it'd be like pretty stunning if you don't win um we'll see i have to imagine their offense is gonna be better this week than it was last week but who knows um you i bet it is i bet it is because tyler Remember last season when he, I don't know, he's the type of guy that. Right. So that's actually where I want to go to next. You mentioned that Tyler needs to be better this week. It was was the first thing he said after the game was like, if I don't, if I play this way again, we're going to lose. He's got to be better. Right. I I mean, I know Texas A&M was disappointing, has been disappointing so far, but if Tyler plays this way he did on Saturday and, and. You know, his numbers wound up being okay. And I know PFF grades are very far from the BL end all, but it was just for perspective, his second worst graded game of his career. Um, so yeah, he's he's got to be better than that. And pretty much every other game of his career, he has been better than that. And he's still completing 73% I know. of his passes, by the way, 73%. Well, the thing that I think he's been really good at this year is hitting those check downs and the, the type of stuff that, you know, he's completed a lot of passes to Henry Parrish. Obviously, he's completed a lot of passes to Xavier Restrepo. You know, he had a bad interception and missed a couple throws uh, to Will Mallory and in the end zone that his game would have been totally different if he hits those throws. And he's got, but he's going to have to hit those this weekend and against a better defense yeah. than he's faced all year. Yeah, I, th- I think that's important. I just have this, I have a feeling he will, he'll be okay. Um, I, and I, the whole team, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm, it's going to be really interesting. I'm not, hopefully you're not going to ask me my prediction. Well, how are you feeling about the defensive line or offensive line? I mean, going up oh. against Texas A&M's defensive line. Cause that's no, you know, Tyler, obviously a little worried like, after four there. sacks, yeah. four sacks last week, a little, a little worried. Yeah. You know, a little meaning a little not. I would feel, I mean, I know Zion's coming back for, for more snaps, but um, I, I, I would be yeah. a little it was, And especially, you know, you look at those sacks they gave up and they were not like they got beaten necessarily. Like it wasn't like, I think the, the guards each gave up a sack and it wasn't like Jalen Rivers just got like, a guy ripped a move off on him and spun around him and got to Tyler. They were all like kind of, um, I I think Josh Gaddis called them like brain freezes. Um, I don't remember how Ja'Kai Clark uh, like termed them today, but basically similar notion, you know, maybe communication errors in certain places when they were yeah. doing stunts and, and guys just seeing ghosts, right? That was how Mario said it. Like mm-hmm. just kind of like simple mental type of stuff. And 
um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you can clean up with coaching, I think more so than like losing a one-on-one rep to a defensive end. And remember, but, but then you're, you're trying to like, who knows what Zion's role is going to be this weekend. It might be, you know, if yeah. you're trying to change pieces here after there were already some communication mental lapses on, on Saturday, it's, it could be a tricky spot. I mean, remember also they're going up against a lot, a lot of better athletes yeah. than Bethune Cookman. So they might be a little shocked. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it's yeah, I mean, been- no one has lost a one-on-one rep probably in the two, like, right. They've not gotten like beaten by a, a defensive end who just ran past yeah. them. And that's got to happen on Saturday. Yeah. They're, now they're going against really big, strong, you know, and I guess at first it'll be a little bit of a shock, maybe, you, you know, I, they'll be like, oops. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. So yeah. that the line, right. Tyler. Tyler's got to have a different mental clock, right? Some of those sacks that happened last week are probably like, he's expecting to have a lot of time because they're going up against Southern Miss. Maybe he holds onto it too long. Um, I'm sure part of the game plan is going to be getting the ball out quicker this week, or it should be at least. Agree. Yep. Uh, what about defensively? What it sounds like Akeem Mesador is going to be fully good to go yeah. uh, after he sat out last week. Um, and it sounds like, and I, I mean, the defense, you know, the, the, the defensive line has to, uh, I mean, the Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator said that they have to, the, the one part of their game where they're not gosh awful bad, but they're, <laughs> they're, um, they're not good is third down defense. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. When you talk about and- trying to control the clock and win the, possession battle like the two most important things are just for getting first downs and the other one is winning those situations like what i think app state was like nine of 30 like you know they they, they did well because they both limited texas a&m on third down and they did well they had a ton of third downs and converted them and actually had some fourth downs and converted them too so yeah you got to be good on that Third down and you situation. know UM has had their problems on third and fourth down. So. It feels like forever. Yeah, I mean, obviously well, the the fourth and what was it fourth the the play that Florida State fourth and seventeen. I don't know. Yeah, I mean there have been a lot of those over the last. Maybe couple that years. was another fourth and seventeen. I know. Feels like there have been a few. There was one against UNC yeah. a few years ago. I remember twenty-three fourth and. I'm gonna have yeah. to look that. There have been some, one. and yeah, it's been. uh you know, they're, they're good up front. feels like the linebackers are improved from a year ago, but still not like it's not still not like they have a bunch of NFL linebackers out there. Um, and the corners, I think, uh, got tested a little bit over the last couple of weeks, right? They, they lost some jump balls, probably yep. lost some interceptions on the table. Um, definitely a DJ Ivy drop uh, at the end of a really good play uh, last week. So... Yeah, you know Texas A and M. The big, the big talking point from Miami has been how explosive they are. Their best player on offense is Devin A. Chain, a running back who was a track and field All American. Um, you know they're not as big, I don't think, out wide. At least their best guys are Aeneas Smith is another smaller guy who uh, will give them a different challenge than a guy Jason Brownlee for Southern Miss. Test, you know, he's big. I think he's six three, something like that, and he tested those guys over the top. So it'll be different, but still feels like that's been the weak link on the defense so far a little bit, the cornerback spot. Um, 
you know, have had their obviously Tyreek had a pick. Um, so it all contributes probably to some of those third down issues they've had so far. Yeah. Uh, any other, um, I know you said you don't want to make a prediction. So just any other, like, what else do you have your eye on? Any other, any other keys for this game? Um, yeah. Um, Miami's, you know, Miami has to, uh, run the ball too. I mean, that's kind of a basic, but, uh, Henry Parrish has got to, you know, keep doing what he's doing. I'm not sure. J- I mean, Jalen Knight and he says, okay, but the more you see Henry, the more, you know, he's going to get a lot of playing time. Um, and they're really lucky to have him. So, uh, yeah, they, they've got to, I mean, they got to run the ball. They got to control the line of scrimmage. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I think that's the like, special I think, team. I mean, I, I yeah, didn't I mean, even you, think you talk that, about but... going back to kind of what we talked about last week, where it's like, what have we actually learned from these first few weeks? And I think, you know, we've learned the defensive line is really deep and uh, seems to be really talented, uh, have enough pe- like options there that they're going to be good all year long. Um, I think we've learned that James Williams is like the best. Defense. I mean, he's like has a chance to be like a first round NFL draft pick. I oh, think we've definitely. learned. I think we've learned the running game is going to be way improved. Um, but I think the it's the, you talk about as the, long the as trenches. Henry doesn't get hurt and 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 I think you talk about the trenches and it's hard to know because like you said, Miami has had such a physical advantage up front for the last two weeks that again I feel pretty confident about the defensive line because it seems so deep. But I think the offensive line going up against that Texas A and M defensive line is going to be the interesting most interesting challenge this week where we're going to figure out really where this team stands and by the way you you wrote something today we forgot about about tight ends yeah but um tight ends really need to step up also will mallory i mean i know i know tyler you know a couple of his throws or at least the first one was it was really low wasn't good but Mm -hmm. uh Tyler's got to get those, got to make some catches. I mean, not Will's got to make some catches. And, you know, and uh, they got to help out. They're they're an important part of the team. And, and, yeah, they need more production from the tight ends. Yeah, especially because, as we keep talking about, the wide receivers outside of Xavier Restrepo, you know, Keyshawn Smith had a nice catch on a a flea flicker on Saturday. And and Michael Redding is, is flashed a little bit, but. Still, none of those outside bigger guys have, have, I think, showed up in the way that Miami was hoping. One guy would, would kind of emerge as a, as a go-to option. A lot of situational guys beyond Restrepo. And, and Mallory is your safest bet to be that other reliable, middle-of-the-field, um, jump-ball-type target that, you know, Restrepo is great, but he's not going up and in the red zone, got to win a fate or whatever. Will Mowry's your, your best bet, a guy like that still. Yep. All right. I think we can uh, wrap things up there. Um, it is going to be a very exciting weekend. Um, you know, uh, the finally weekend, I feel like we're going to like really know what this team is for the rest of the year right now. It's still a lot of guessing, still a lot of trying to extrapolate uh, smaller results onto a larger picture. But uh, this is this is the weekend. I mean, we've been we've been thinking about this game for. We talked about what it was 
nine, 10 months of hype for Mario Cristobal, right? It's kind of the same as this game. It's, it's been, we were never going to really know what, what this team season was going to be like until this game showed up. So we've been, we've been thinking about this game for a while. All the players are like, yes, the game we've watched the most film on all that kind of stuff throughout the off season. So um, it'll be a, it'll be a really good measuring stick for this team. Finally. Yeah. Hopefully everybody stays healthy. Hopefully the game ends by <laughs> when midnight. Midnight uh, local time. Never happen. That will never happen. Uh, and maybe UM will run it a lot. That would be great. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I hope run the clock. Yeah, run the clock. Run the clock. I agree. So um, yeah, we'll we'll have a lot more to say next week. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, ne- next week will be a week where we can actually like come out here and and talk about like have a really good idea of what the season is going to be like. Um, you can follow Susan on Twitter at S Miller Degnan. She will be out in Texas for this game all over the Eastern part of Texas because it's not easy to get to college station. Um, she'll have a, her advance going up uh, Friday when most of you guys are listening to this, uh, obviously a lot of coverage throughout the week. Um, Texas A&M centric stuff. We didn't talk at all about Avante Williams, but you, you wrote a good story about, um Miami safety who um you know no one will kind of say exactly what happened but Mar- Mario admitted they had they had a, a one-to-one heart-to-heart sit down to talk about his his clear frustrations with with some lack of playing time early on in this year right. um, I felt really insightful about you know it's the first time Mario Cristobal has had to deal with a publicly at least like a, a situation like this that it felt like Mark Richt and Manny Diaz were dealing with like every every two or three weeks throughout their tenures well, really um, did it. yeah and he'll never and, and he'll never mario will never if if avante if avante leaves that's it yeah he's not it's he's not taking anybody back again that's yeah no jeff thomas situation but yeah i thought a good insight into uh mario cristobal's mindset with situations like this that will be important you know not just in the avante situation but it'll come up over and over because it's college football uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. Um, yeah, I'm doing a lot of Miami stuff. I'll actually be in Baltimore when this game is happening, um, but I'll be uh, paying attention and tweeting and all that good stuff and making sure Susan's stories get up uh, in a timely manner. So um, thanks as always for listening and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye.